it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello there, and welcome to this week's episode of New Horizons. Thanks for your company. I'm Vaughan Benison. Today, part two of our feature on Global Accessibility Awareness Day, specifically the Happy Hour conversation held by Blind Citizens Australia on Thursday, the 21st of May. Last week we heard from David Vasnakos from Visibility. This week we hear from Andrew Arch. I must apologise for the audio. Unfortunately there was some uh, breakup in Andrew's feed but I'm sure you'll be able to make sense of what he's saying. Andrew Arch is a Principal Consultant with Intopia. Founded in 2016 and with a vision of creating an inclusive digital world, Intopia has grown to be the largest accessibility and inclusive design agency in Australia and New Zealand. Intopia places the user at the centre of everything they do and uh, they work closely with their clients to develop pragmatic outcomes that improve digital access for everyone. Andrew Arch, as I said, is the principal consultant with Intopia and has been working in the field of digital accessibility for over 20 years. During this time, he established the digital access team at Vision Australia, uh, worked on ageing and disability at the W3C in Europe, and as the senior accessibility and inclusion expert in the Australian government, including at the Digital Transformation Agency. Andrew is also a long-term participant in the Education Outreach Working Group of the W3C Web Accessibility Initiative. Andrew, perhaps uh, you'd like to um, talk about things from your perspective. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Vaughan. Thanks uh, for inviting me to come along this evening. Uh, um, this interesting uh, from my perspective to hear some of the um, other perspectives um, too, um, including yours, David. Um, to me that um, Print Disability Roundtable didn't happen this year. Um, I've spoken a couple of times in the past and I was going to speak again this year, but uh, hopefully we'll uh, be out of this um, restricted travel and everything by uh, March, I think it is, next year, be able to uh, meet in, in person again. Uh, a few things that I would like to talk terms of changes. Um, as Vaughan said in the introduction, um, my first sort of um, in the digital accessibility space was when I started work with Vision Australia back in 2000, 2001 uh, to lead and build their digital accessibility team. Changes that I really noticed in the uh, digital um, accessibility consulting field then and coming back to in, into it uh, three years ago with the government for um, the nth time <laughs> and um, <clears throat> joined Intopia, is change in focus uh, on a number of fronts. One, when I was, uh, when we were in Vision Australia doing digital consulting and auditing and training, the primary target audience of people who were coming and asking us for assistance um, it wasn't long after, of course, um, uh, Bruce's uh, scuffle, if you like, with the uh, Sydney Olympic Games organising committee, where it became apparent that uh, the, you know the Digital Discrimination Act of 1992, 
particularly pre-web, uh, unless you worked in something like CSIRO at the time. Um, uh, you know, his court case uh, proved clearly that our DDA did apply in the online world, but uh, the um, Australian government and the state governments uh, had picked up very early CAG 1.0 as the you know, driver behind making all their services more available, information services primarily at that stage, uh, available to people with disability. But the corporate world, the retail, big retailers and uh, weren't really paying much attention at all. This time, uh, joining a uh, moving back into consulting, quite different. It's almost the other way around. I think government is still doing a lot, uh, but there's still a lot of government that isn't doing much at all. While I was working in government um, um, from 2011 to 17, but the um, corporates now, all the banks are very, very active in trying to improve the accessibility of their services and their um, the bigger retailers are doing the same thing, um, the big telcos, the um, the airlines, none of them are purpose. And uh, I'm probably sure you've all got horror uh, stories of trying to do things that just didn't work for you and you've had to you know, end up on the telephone or go into an office. Most of them are actually taking an active stance now and trying to do the right thing. And they're doing it seemingly not because of a, a legal situation like the uh, US where there's a threat of a law court. Um, though, you know, Coles did get um, taken to a court a few years ago by Giselle, but uh, primarily because they're seeing that, you know, being, if they can be the first mover uh, to have an accessible service, then they're probably going to attract a, a whole lot more customers that uh, they hadn't had before. And like all of us, you find a, a service that you like, you tend to stick with it, and one that works for you, and you tend to stick with it. Um, I banks for exactly that reason. I've uh, left my bank uh, twice and they've been, uh, the, the smaller banks have been bought out by the big bank. Um, and uh, now I've just said, you know, enough's enough. It's not worth the effort of trying to uh, change banks again. The other um, change that uh, I've noticed um, over the last uh, two decades is what we've termed in the digital accessibility community a shift left, where it's no longer something that you look at right at the end of a development but it's being looked at much earlier on in the process. And as a result of that also, it's no longer just the developer's role in developing a digital service to look at accessibility, but it goes back to the way the design's put together, content is written, the colours, uh, the interactions, all of that gets um, considered um, much more it was um, a decade or two ago um, and so that's leading through to much more uh, accessible development because the developers actually instructions about you know uh, what sort of labels uh, to, to uh, put on their forms what sort of colors that they they implement from an accessibility point of view um, um, another one is that um, and I know it's um, quite some time ago now um, that WCAG went from WCAG Web Content Accessibility Guidelines version one to version two, but version two brought in a lot of the usability things that previously they said, look, you know, organisations should be doing that from a general usability perspective, but the recognition is that usability has a bigger impact um, for some people with disabilities than it does for myself who can use a mouse and can see. So there was a recognition that uh, um, some of the usability features that people were calling for actually put into the web content accessibility guidelines. 
we're now getting some standards in Australia. Some of you may have heard of a standard called EN301549. Um, we use that um, as a, the short term for it because it's term of about two lines uh, that talks about uh, accessible procurement requirements for ICT uh, and related products. But uh, that was a, a standard that was developed in Europe um, by the Etsy standard organisation and it was adopted in Australia in late 2016. Um, that is making an impact is that a lot of the governments now are saying that if there is a Australian standard, needs to be taken into account in any Australian government procurement. And now that we have a standard for ICT accessibility in uh, the Victorian government, the South Australian government, the New South Wales government, and before them, the Commonwealth government, of course, uh, progressively putting that into their panel refreshes for software, for hardware, and so on. It's not something they can do overnight because they have term contracts in place. Uh, but uh, coming out of the Digital Transformation Agency in Canberra, uh, the procurement team there is progressively, as all these panels come up for renew, uh, for review and renewal, they're putting uh, accessibility clauses anybody who is going to uh, come up onto the panel new or um, remain on the panel. So now that is a thing um, thing from uh, partly from an employment perspective as well for uh, you know anybody who might be looking for employment um, and the, the final one is the increase in training in vision Australia we did uh, quite a lot of training it still does a lot of training around the country um, but where uh, Intopia is also finding uh, even just in the three I've been with them, that the requests for training for their designers, for their content people, um, for their managers and for their developers is just uh, going ballistic. Um, we're having trouble to keep keeping up with the demand for training. And in line with that, we've seen the W3C Web Accessibility Initiative put quite a bit of effort um, through the Education Outreach Working Group that I'm a member of um, into uh, outlines for curricula that places like university uh, pick up or can be you know, put into short courses. Um, one of the uh, courses that is now online as a result of some joint work between the World Wide Web Consortium and the UN was an introduction to um, web accessibility that is really available online and um, you know, through Vaughan, I, I might share that uh, URL with you because they've just, uh, it was supposed to have finished at the end of this month, but they've just extended the uh, open time for that um, course, um, which is which is free unless you actually want it. Um, and you know, it's really great to you know, recommend uh, to, um, to people. Um, that's sort of a lot of the good news that I've observed over you know, a couple of decades of working in this field. Andrew Arch, their principal consultant with Intopia. You heard all about Andrew and Intopia at the beginning of the program. Blind Citizens Australia heavily relies on donations and funding from members of the public and from its members. If you'd like to find out how to donate to Blind Citizens Australia, have a look at the website www.bca.org.au. 
www.bca.org.au or you can contact the office if you would like to find out more information about Blind Citizens Australia. Don't forget there's quite an extensive menu system on the telephone and uh, that will enable you to hear all about what's happening in and around your community. The phone number 1-800-033-660. The happy hour conversations continue at the moment, Monday, Wednesday and Friday at 11 o'clock and Tuesdays and Thursdays at half past seven in the evening. Many branches are doing their own catch-up conversations. Tasmania has one on Saturday mornings and uh, there are some in Brisbane. The National Women's Branch is also doing a number of teleconferences. If you'd like to find out, get in touch with your local branch or the National Women's Branch and find out how you can get involved in those conversations, how you can help Blind Citizens Australia and what have you. Don't forget also that Blind Citizens Australia has an announcements email list. If you think you should be on that but you don't think you are, get in touch with BCA and uh, make sure they put you on that list. You do need to be a member of BCA to be a member of that list. There are also email lists for conversation or uh, tips and tricks and what have you. There's uh, BCAL, of course, that most of you will have heard of, and there's also VIPL. You can do some research to find out how to get in touch with those email lists. In the meantime, I'll be back again next week. Do take care. I'm Vaughan Benison. See you then. We'll achieve the realization of a dream. Of our dreams